It's Monday, the 26th of April. Welcome to The Breakfast Show. I'm your host, Mark Anthony, and if anyone can explain how it's already the end of April, I'd love to hear from you. We will get to those all-important news headlines in just a second, but as you know, no Breakfast Show is ever complete without an utterly pointless look at those celebrity birthdays. Uh, it's many happy returns to actor and martial arts expert Jet Li, and also to Duran Duran Rummer, uh, drummer Roger Taylor. Um... Happy birthday also to former First Lady Melania Trump, a woman who constantly looks like she's trying to remember an important phone number. We'll be right back after this. If you enjoyed this show, please consider supporting us. Go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash demolition news. Now, we do have a, a guest joining us in just a few moments for a serious discussion about an equally serious subject. But what better way to start the new week than with an exciting new project lead opportunity, a market intelligence provider. The Builders Conference reports that Coventry is about to get a new Aldi superstore. Um, first, a former retail unit on the Alvis Retail Park will need to be partially demolished and converted into a food retail space. The client on this occasion is Aldi Food Stores itself, and we have understand that Stainforth construction is in the running for the construction element of the project, but a demolition contractor has yet to be appointed. Uh, you can find out more about this project lead and many more just like it by visiting buildersconference.co.uk. Now, one of the big stories of last week was the successful prosecution of a demolition contractor over an incident that left a worker requiring lifelong care. Uh, the incident involved a worker being trapped by the neck uh, by the mobile elevating work platform or bupe from which he was working. To discuss it, I'm delighted we're joined today uh, by Ben Byrne of Ashview Consultants, a leading provider of health and safety and risk management services here in the UK and also in Ireland. Good morning, Ben. Thank you, Mark. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, not too bad at all. But before we get on to uh, talking about the incident and, and the fallout from it, tell me a bit about yourself and and your company. I, I, I just looked you up on LinkedIn and I know you, you've had quite a grounding in, in all things work platform-wise. So, have in construction for over 25 years, um, specifically in health and safety for over 20 years. Spent a few years in the middle of that, I uh, worked uh, for many WP hire companies and fire been for about three years. Um, I'm also the chair of the International Institute of Risk and Safety Management here in Ireland, the Irish branch, most recently elected to chair Obviously, last week's incident was a tragic event. Um, the accidents always are a tragic event. Um, according to the HSE, this one was wholly avoidable. What do you make of it? Um, Mark, uh, most accidents are wholly avoidable. Um, by, by definition, they're, they're avoidable. Um, it's all about planning. If you're putting enough planning early days, plan to work, plan to be safe, and um, these sort of things can be avoided. Uh, or indeed, they can be mitigated. There could have been a lot. Um, not a serious accident um, if it hasn't been planned for earlier. And I, I mean, we, we had a very quick chat before we came on air, and, and you, you honestly believe that planning is, is the, the beginning, middle, and end of, of, of this kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, people seem to think that safety is a separate entity that's built around the same things, but it's not. Safety, quality, um, output, production, it's all the same thing, it's all one of the same stuff. So it's planned well, it will work well, it be good quality work, it be safe work, and everyone can make a few 
Now, sadly, even though MUPES or access platforms are widely used in the demolition industry, this is far from being an isolated incident. In, in your opinion, is the sector doing enough to mitigate the risks involved in the use of access platforms? It does. Uh, it's with every industry. Um, they use it across construction, they use in cleaning, they use in aviation, they use across all sorts of industries. Um, but the, the amount of effort that's been put in varies greatly. From just trying to pull a building down quickly and make a quick book over a weekend, and uh, to a confident contractor that's going to find the work safety for those lads and just get on with the way you should be getting on it. So it varies greatly. Uh, I've reported here in the past, in the very recent past actually, that the International Powered Access Federation, or IPAF as, as most people know them, uh, they are doing a, a, a very, very good job, or at least in my opinion, they're doing a very good job of reporting and recording near misses and accidents and then using that data to inform training and industry guidance. Learning by past mistakes is an important contributor to health and safety, isn't it? You know, fortunately, I think there's something in human nature that people need to learn by their own mistakes, you know, even that's where all growing up, we all have to make our own mistakes. But when it comes to health and safety, you can learn from others' mistakes as well, and I thought doing a great job trying to do that. A lot of people aren't aware of that. Um, most users aren't aware of it that they can't compile a, an accident register, and people are always wary about reporting accidents they fear that there's going to be repercussions about it. But I thought they're doing this with uh, good intentions. They really want to learn from people's mistakes and turn them through. The, the crazy thing with that is, you know, as we've seen with this uh, with this incident involving a demolition company, it's not like these things are secret. It might take a, a year or two, or in this case, four years, to, to actually come to, to light. But it will come out eventually. Yeah, it's the same with reporting of accidents to the HSE and the HSA. There's, there's always this, let's have a look and split hairs and can we avoid reporting it? Nine times out of ten, these things are just statistics and just even for the HSA and the HSE to learn. Um, and see if there's a trend in that sense. That's what it's all about. But there's, there's definitely a, a reluctance to podcasts. There, there will, of course, be, well, at least I hope so, and, and judging by the number in the top right, left-hand corner of my screen, I can tell you there are. There will be demolition professionals watching today or watching later on catch-up who will be hiring or operating access platforms themselves today or in the future. What advice would you offer them? It's all about planning. It's all about confidence. Um, so if you've got the right training, the right knowledge, and the right experience, you know, to, uh, that's the same with anything. It's not just these things that you use. Um, but you don't put a young lad that's wet behind the ears, green as grass, up into a Z125 and trying to get to work. You need to bring him into this. It's the same. You wouldn't put him into your, your brand new 30 ton excavator and let him off into the field. You've got to train them lads. You've got to give them confidence to do what they're doing. And indeed, do you have the confidence to direct them? At the end of the day, if you're supervising these guys, you're in charge of their well-being, and God forbid if something goes wrong, you know, you'll be able to go home and sleep at night if something serious has to happen. So it can happen, um, but if you don't have the knowledge, you don't have the experience, you may have to ask for it, you may have to train yourself, but it's all about confidence. One of the things that came out while you were saying that was, here in the demolition field, we have specific training related to the operation of skid steers for demolition. We have specific... Um, training for operation of excavators, high-reach excavators, attachments, all of those sort of things. Do we need specific training on access platforms, given the fact that we do use them so extensively? Yeah, so I'd say there's specific tickets for, uh, for, for lots of pieces of equipment, and there isn't a specific ticket for any WPs. Um, you must be trained in whatever equipment you're using, so if that's a photocopier, <laughs> 
Whatever piece of equipment you're using, your employer should train you in using that. It's similar if you're working in a factory or working on an assembly line. You need to be trained in how to use that piece of equipment. So you need to be trained in the use of MWPs. Now, notwithstanding that there isn't a specific ticket for MWPs, and I have no affiliation whatsoever with IPAP, they will be the best training available on the market. One of the IPAP uh, affiliated trainers, they have the authority now, it's not even the third is the authority. Um, but everyone needs to be trained, and then you need to make the shoe fit, so you could go and do your training. They're trained in a Z45, very common machine, great machine, does a lot of work. But I don't know if you've ever stepped in a Z135, it's a completely different type of machine. Much more complex, there's a lot more going on. So that training needs to be stepped up then to go from this smaller machine to this bigger machine. So that you need to be trained on every piece of equipment you use. Yeah, one of the things that always strikes me with this is, you know, if you're, if you're talking about, let's say, excavators, excavators are used all day, every day on demolition sites. Skid steer is largely the same. But platforms are, are something that we tend to pick up and put down. So it's not like operators are exposed to them day in, day out and get to learn the ropes. And, and most of them are on hire. So you know, as you say, you know, every machine is slightly different. The controls are slightly different. The layout, you know, the safety factors are all slightly different. Part of that is, is down to, you know, a, a lack of exposure, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, sometimes people build up that confidence by you know, the delivery driver showing how to use it. Or that could be, just give us a half an hour of that machine, just give me a half an hour over in the field there, just let me play with it while you're before you put me up into a higher scale. That, that can be enough from a lad that's used to using one type of machine, that's a slightly bigger one, that's a slightly different one. Just give me a bit of space just to figure out how to use that machine. One big outcome from that accident is, is to have that person that's on the ground still know she goes. That, that, that's, that was a big, gap in the time that the guys who all have worked on the meeting. And just when people mention emergency law and it tints up all sorts of big procedures and big training and, and ropes and all sorts of things come to mind. But emergency law is as simple as the person on the ground that's sweeping the floor is aware that there's someone in the air and if something goes wrong they know how to fit the machine or the basket controls the ground controls and how to load that machine. That's that's really, really important to have somebody on the ground watching out for that and again, that, that comes back precisely to what you were saying before, to training and to planning and, and you know, making sure that everyone's aware of what's going on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, just, that's a real takeaway from that, that incident. And, and a lot of incident incidents also a big Absolutely. Right, as I say, a pleasure speaking to you today, Ben. I do appreciate you giving up your Monday morning. I'm sure you've got better things to do. I've put a link to your uh, website down below. Is there any other ways that people should get hold of you if they're, they'd like to know more? No, that's it. Feel free if you think you've got your money back in the Fantastic. Well, I, I found you on LinkedIn, and I, you've got a very good profile over on LinkedIn. But it's worth having a look at the uh, the website because there's a very very nice video of, of I think it's Dublin going on in the background, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we've got a few jobs on the go there. Yeah, fantastic. Ben, it's been a pleasure. I'm going to let you get on with your day, and I'm going to get on with the show. But thanks a lot for for taking the time to speak to us. Yeah, All the best. Um, I will take that off now, but I will add a link to um, the Ashview uh, website once the show's over in the uh, show notes. So uh, feel free to, to go and have a look at that. I, I would recommend you go and have a look at their website because, as I said at the outset, this is an important subject uh, and it's one that's, that's going to keep coming up time and time again, sadly. 
Now, pretty much since this show started, the UK demolition business has been on something of an upward curve. Uh, despite global politics, a jittery economy and political backdrop dictated by a sad collection of whores, pimps and clowns, the demolition sector has been enjoying an, a prolonged and very welcome uptick in demand. But amidst all that positivity, apparently, there is a good deal of unspoken bad news. Uh, we heard late on Friday uh, that a demolition firm in the north has slipped into liquidation. Uh, we're trying to get some clarification and confirmation of that. Uh, we understand that a winding up order has been issued against a well-known supplier to the demolition sector. Uh, we're trying to get that confirmed too. And on Sunday, I was made aware of what appears to be yet another demolition scaffold collapse, this time in the heart of London, which those that were here um, in the summer of 2019 will know that scaffold collapses are an all-too-familiar um, sight. And, of course, we've got the spectre of the Competition and Markets Authority investigation um, hanging over us like a dark, imposing cloud. Um, I guess it, it's a long while since the... Let me think where I'm going with this. It's a long while since the UK demolition industry enjoyed such a, a prolonged period of positivity and demand. But I think anyone that thinks it's the garden is entirely rosy is very much mistaken. And, and to keep on top of all of that requires more than just a daily news roundup. Um, I'll be honest, I, I, I launched this show on a whim um, and I've been genuinely astounded by um, the feedback that we get and the number of views that we get. And, and the, to be honest, it's become the talking point. This is We get more comments on the video and the, the resulting audio than we do on just about anything else we do. So, um, But we are aware of the fact that we can't cover everything in you know a 10 or 15 minute roundup on a, on a morning. Um, so we're... If you go back to October 19, October last year, October the 19th, actually, to be entirely precise, uh, I declared that demolition news would be unflinching, unstoppable and unavoidable. Well, the unflinching part was relatively easy. Um, we've never shied away from addressing tricky or controversial subjects, uh, often to the annoyance of some in the sector. We've been unstoppable too. Even while COVID-19 raged outside, uh, we've maintained our highest ever level of output of words, video and audio. But now we're about to put a tick beside the word unavoidable as well. Um, starting at 3pm today, exciting times, um, we're launching yet another live show. Only this time we're doing it on the platform on which we've got the biggest um, following and on the, on the platform that we're known best. Um, we've cut our teeth on broadcasting live to thousands and tens of thousands via Facebook and YouTube, but we're now going to be broadcasting regularly on Instagram, where we now have an audience of more than 140,000 people around the world. Uh, our pilot episode will begin today at 3pm, that's UK time obviously, uh, and the primary topic of conversation this time will be the postponement of the Balmer exhibition to October next year um, from its original date of April. But Instagram allows us to interact directly with our massive audience. So I'm hoping they, they will help drive the topic of conversation in a multitude of, of directions and off at tangents as well. Uh, furthermore, Instagram also allows us to bring guests on. So our plan is to host shows um, to bring you the latest and greatest new products and services and, and to talk to people like we talked to uh, Ben earlier, you know, experts in their field, to give their perspective on, on specific issues as well. And in some ways, um, we've kind of gone against everything we tend to teach in the field of marketing PR. Um, our advice is always to go where the audience is. Um, if you're looking to speak to company owners, 
you probably focus on LinkedIn. If you want to reach equipment operators, you probably look to Facebook. But our biggest audience has always been over on Instagram, but we've largely ne neglected that audience while we've learned the ropes of live streaming. But that ends today at 3 p.m. Um, my current plan, um, and these things are subject to change, but my current plan is that we will be broadcasting on Instagram on a Monday, a Wednesday, and a Friday, and that where possible, it will be at the regular time of 3 p.m., again, UK time. However, as these shows will be entirely unscripted, uh, and most will be unrecorded as well, uh, my plan is to use that platform to react to breaking news, to, to vent my spleen, and just to hang out with our global community. So if you're in, on Instagram, uh, look out for us at 3 p.m. today as we finally get to speak to our global audience face-to-face. -face. Uh, we hope you can join us. And we hope you can join us too at 6 p.m. on Thursday this week as well uh, as the Construction Collective rides again. Uh, the content of this show is a closely guarded secret, but I can assure you, you won't want to miss it. Uh, we go live at 6 p.m. I keep saying UK time. It should be obvious by now. Um, at 6 p.m. on Thursday on Facebook, YouTube, and on demolitionnews.com itself. So join us if you can. Uh, that pretty much wraps up today's show. I'm off to try and find out more about the scaffold collapse in London and about the Northern Demolition Company that has apparently folded. Um, I'll be bringing more of you, uh, more of all of that, just as soon as I can get confirmation on any or all of it. Oh, and by the way, if you missed last week's uh, daily shows, you can catch up via our second weekend wrap show. Uh, I'll add a link to that in the description of today's show, um, which will appear down below once I've, I've come off here. You might also like to have a look at our, our show called uh, Drugs in Demolition. Um, if you were here on Friday, you'll know that this was something that we looked at on, on that show, uh, but we've now extracted, because it is such an important subject and it's, it's one of increasing importance, we've extracted that. So there's a standalone show on drugs in demolition. Um, again, you'll be able to find links to that in the description below. Uh, I hope you can join us at 3 o'clock this afternoon over on Instagram, but failing that, I'll be here at 10 a.m. on the morrow for another Breakfast Show as we close in on our landmark 50th consecutive episode. But until then, have a great day. Um, thanks to Ben for joining us earlier. Um, stay safe, look after yourself, your family, your friends and your colleagues. And I'll be back here again. Well, I'll be here at 10 o'clock tomorrow. I'll be Instagram at three o'clock this afternoon. But until then, have a great day everyone. And thanks for watching.